Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick with the first defensive review of this year. Uh, usually my favorite show. Uh, unfortunately, after this week, I'm not sure anymore with the with the uh, number of injuries that occurred to the Ravens this week. But we have to face it head on. And, and that's part of the getting over it process. Joining me to do that is Gordon McGinnis of PFF. Gordon, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Uh, great to have you on again. Always, uh, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but kind of feels like a loss to me after a game like this. I just I cannot remember a single game in Ravens history where they had this uh, number of very significant injuries. It's just so deflating um, to come out of that game with that. And I think just before I hopped on here, I saw that um, they've announced that uh, Marcus Williams, like he, it might not be season ending, but it's going to be, you know, a little bit for him. Linderbaum and Stanley are week to week. Already missing Marlon Humphrey, the Dobbin season in the Dobbin season in thing in particular, less even about the Ravens prospects this season, mm-hmm. just sucks for him. For a guy who like yeah. came back and at the end of last season looked like he was getting back there, just minus that kind of final burst, it's just awful for him. Yeah, yeah, it is really horrible for for Dobbins with all he's been through this off season, obviously, and re- really wanting to play football and have a contract, have a little bit of security, which you can't blame him for at all. Uh, it just it just really sucks to have him uh, be on. Happens to a lot of players in year four; they get a big injury, and it's just the worst possible time for it to occur. I think it happened to Matt Skura. Uh, might have happened to Brent Urban too at the same time. But there's been a, a number of, of Ravens who've been in this uh, terrible position anyway. Uh, comments are that he's going to be back. Uh, Harbaugh seems to think uh, he's being positive about the situation. I know the last time around he really wasn't, you know, during when the preseason injury um, this time around, maybe he's been through it before. Maybe he understands, you know, what this rehab process will be like. 
I've never had to rehab an injury personally, but I understand it's very difficult anytime you do it. It's a, a difficult physical commitment to make. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, I'm sure we've all had injuries. There's like a difference between me rolling my ankle and struggling to walk for a couple of weeks before like slowly getting back to where I need to be versus an athlete who, you know, has to use that ankle to cut, to juke all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we ought to talk about these injuries in terms of potential replacements, I think, in terms of what kind of drop this is going to be. Uh, and I wanted to finish with a little bit of a thought experiment about this, but in Dobbin's case, um, the obvious replacement to me seems to be Keaton Mitchell. Uh, people are already talking, of course, about Gordon being the guy. Uh, where, where are you on that? Yeah, I mean, the the fumbles that Melvin Gordon's had in his career, I just, I really, I, I struggled with that as a sign-in regardless because it just felt like something that John Harbaugh was going to get annoyed at at some point mm-hmm. during the season. Um, Keaton Mitchell, I think, if he can get on the field, has the ability to create big plays, which I think is great. I thought it was interesting that they went to Justice Hill pretty much straight away. Um, Gus Edwards obviously got involved a bit yesterday, but I'll be interested to see if it winds up being like a 50-50 split between these two this coming week. Yeah, it was a little surprising given how much Gus has really carried the workload in the past and and been an effective back. It does seem to me like Gus is the, is the sort of back who would have more trouble running out of 11 personnel than a hill would and also hill can give you probably a little more in the passing game a little bit of pass blocking a little bit as a receiver though he's never really been a breakaway threat but i'm hoping with a offense which is more um based on space creation that he's going to be a, a more threatening player yeah and i know we're we're going to be talking defense here but the the offensive side of it i think one of the things i like about the way they're set up is they can they can maneuver themselves from formation to formation. Like a guy like mm-hmm. Ricard, they can line up in a you know, two tight end set and then bring him in as a fullback. I kind of like the prospect of Justice Hill being the guy early in games. And if you have a lead late and you can turn and you can get a little bit heavier because of who they have and let Gus Edwards uh, really try and grind the win out. I want to put a pin in that one because I want to come back to it. But being able to close out games are very important for this team. And and uh, obviously, it's very important to the defense, not just the offense. Uh, I, I think people don't always think about it in those terms. Uh, in terms of Ronnie Stanley, I assume it'll be Patrick McCary here for the immediate future. It's certainly he's the guy they put under wraps. In fact, just as much bubble wrap as they had on Stanley during the uh, preseason in terms of not taking any snaps. Stanley really hadn't even played any padded practices. He might have played one during this entire camp process. So uh, they they'd exceptionally protected him. Yeah, and it's just, again, a little bit similar to the Dobbins thing, not the exact same, but anytime Stanley gets hurt now, you just worry about the, the long-term impacts for him because yeah. of how much time he missed. Um, and I I think Patrick McCarry is a, I think he can be a serviceable left tackle in the NFL. The difference though, is that Ronnie Stanley on his best day is one of the most natural pass protectors in football. So it's very, very difficult to replace that. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And, uh, and the Ravens lack of a backup left tackle now for really several years because Alejandro Villanueva was not a good solution, obviously there. And McCarry is not really the solution you'd want to have. You want to have another true guy who can play left tackle. It's, it's kind of a, um, an embarrassment of riches. If you're ever in that position, 
or if your right tackle can move over and play left tackle. There's never been a thought of Moses doing it. There was certainly a hope last year that Juwan James might be the guy, at least temporarily, though. Yeah, and that's um, you know that's going to be the the thing to watch going forward. I think, I, I you know you're going to get like I said you can you can get serviceable play out of McCarry, but this is a division whereby you're going to see Miles Garrett, you're going to see T.J. Watt, you're going to see Zadarius Smith. There's there's a lot of good edge rushers in this division, um, and if Stanley winds up being out for you know four six weeks something like that, it's just going to have an impact somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those divisional games coming up, obviously, here in weeks two and four. Uh, the Bengals look like they have significant offensive line problems, too. Did you have to look at the PFF scoring for them and and see what has occurred? Uh, I didn't get a chance to look, but I did see watching the game yesterday. They definitely had they definitely had some struggles. I think uh, Orlando Brown in particular struggling against Miles Garrett. Um, you know, and that's Orlando Brown's always had some uh, limitations in that sense. Again, guy who can be a, a, a good left tackle, even a, even a very good left tackle, but is always going to struggle against some of those top tier edge rushers, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the thought experiment I wanted to kind of toss out there just for a minute or two, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but is, you know, you, you go through a game like you did yesterday with the Ravens, and I just happened to hear this on the way home. And I know it really wasn't intended literally, but it kind of triggers thought in my mind. A guy on the, on the way home said, uh, you know, so and so and so, and they're all injured. And, and, but the important thing is they got the win. And I listen to that and I just shake my head. And I'm like, if there's any way you could reverse this and replay this game and, you know, take your chances again with injuries, I think any Raven fan would do that. But my question for you is, would you would you reverse the injuries and take a loss against the Texans in week one in terms of the the better prospects for the rest of the year? I think I would. Uh, probably the caveat of, you know, how long is Marcus Williams out for? How long is Stanley out for? How long is Linderbaum out for? But if you just consider the fact that, so uh, we obviously at PFF, we have wins above replacement. Those those four guys, um, and you had in Marlon Humphrey, I'm pretty sure they all add up to an average per season of over a win just combined between those guys. And that's taking those guys kind of on their own, not considering the the fact of you have to stack those injuries up on top of each other. It's just, mm-hmm. it's huge. And it's the tough thing as well is how, how strong the AFC is going to be this year. My first thought when Marlon Humphrey got hurt was this is a, this is a conference whereby two good teams on paper are not making the playoffs. And all of a sudden the Ravens are going to be without one of their best defensive players for the first probably four weeks. Um, so this just adds to that. Yeah, uh, obviously very, very serious situation. And, uh, you know, the first week of the season always tells you a lot about teams because you don't know a lot about these teams. And we don't see that the players play in the in the first week. But I would have said that this game alone cost them between 1.2 and 1.5 wins, despite the win. And you think about this, and they probably had, you know, 0.15 wins added. 0.15 to 0.2. Look at the money line. I mean, the Ravens had about an 80 to 85% chance to win the game based on that so they pick up you know between 0.15 and 0.2 wins just by winning the game but then they lose everybody and you know this is this is injuries here's what i really don't like about the nfl right now i hate the fact that it's so injury based and part of it is that you know your own team gets decimated but i don't like i don't like the notion of rooting for injuries period but you have to get pretty decent injury luck relative to the other teams or you can't keep up 
So I, I really hate that about the league right now. I wish they would, you know, I wish that there was something that could be done to the game to dramatically improve injury rates that wouldn't also make it unfun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be fantastic if they could. And then you know, if you look back at the the Ravens' success back in twenty nineteen, like that was a year mm-hmm. that injury luck was in their favor that year. You know, mm-hmm. like that's and then since then, time and time again, big injuries costing them. Um, and you know, I don't want I don't want to be a complete downer, but it's early in September and my expectations for the team have dropped considerably because of just how tough the AFC is. You're talking there, you lose one and a half games because of those players being out for a considerable period of time. One and a half games is very likely going to be the difference between making or losing the play, making or missing the playoffs or winning or not winning the division. Right. And and that's absolutely true. And um, uh, either one of those two is, is certainly possible, but I know there are a lot of people out there who said, well, the Ravens are going to be 13 and four this year. And they had their list of W's and L's. It's not the way I think. I think probabilistically about each game. I see, you know, I see a 0.8 or a 0.82 against the Texans. I don't see a W. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, I, I understand not everybody thinks that way, but, but that's the way I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm just very concerned about what this means for their playoff prospects. Oh, well, we play the games, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, to avoid being completely negative, you know, yesterday they won that game comfortably against, mm-hmm. yes, an outmatched opponent. But those injuries happened throughout the game, so they had to go through a good part of the game with without those injuries. The offense really wasn't clicking on all cylinders. So mm-hmm. there are – but based on yesterday, this is probably a season whereby the passing offense is probably going to have to carry them a little bit based on those injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, let's let's turn to the good side. Talk some defense about how dominant this group was because they certainly uh really gave it to the Texans on a day they they should have, sure, but they were extremely dominant. I I would, you know, whenever I see a 10-point game, I think okay, if they win by 4, I'm going to be fine with that, but um they they won by 16 and the game was not any closer than that. It was probably less close than that in truth, uh, uh the way things were played out. Let's talk a little bit about about some of the things were were special about this game. Okay, maybe start with dominating the game up front, which is something the Ravens have done as much as any game in recent history. Um, they really dominated. It, it does kind of remind me of the first game against the Jets last year. It's a very similar score, twenty four to nine, twenty five to nine, um, and uh, really dominant play up front both games. But the front seven, I thought, were, were the story for the Ravens this game. Yeah, I think in particular at linebacker, but the the defensive line, with the exception of uh, the penalties, which, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere soft, but, you know, you don't need to put yourself in those situations. Somewhere just stupid, whereby you really don't need to put yourself in those situations. Um, but the big thing up front in that front seven for me is just the difference in this defense with Roquan Smith. Yeah. He just he controls so much and i know you know tackle stats aren't everything there's the stat out there of the most tackles in a ravens uh, season opener and stuff like that since the days of ray lewis but defensive stops even there was even a play in the game whereby he actually he tried to kind of get out of his gap to go and make a play and he kind of went a little bit too far and very quickly spun around and got himself back in and made the tackle so there's there's a huge difference there in in the level of play and you know everything they wanted when they traded for him. I think has been justified. 
they've gotten one hundred seventy five percent of the player they got, and they almost you almost never get that when you acquire a veteran player. And he said, you know, at least a young veteran. They 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 signed him. All that is terrific in terms of of what they did. But when I looked at Roquan Smith's tape with the Bears, he just wasn't this kind of consistently outstanding player. He had all kinds of mistakes he made on the field, and that the rest of that Bears defense made him pay for them <laughs> in terms of just you know him being a little bit out of position with the Ravens. Not only is the structure I think more sound that he's in, I think that's that's part of what's doing. I think the other players around him also uh, are making it a little bit easier for him to do things. I know he's the leader; he tends to tends to lead the flow of the defense as well, which is which is impressive. But he's a he's a better player than they could possibly have hoped he'd be based on the player he was in Chicago. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, just overall, the Texans just didn't run the ball really at all. Like when you're, when you're long by a running back seven yards, I know they had like, what was it? An 11 yard run by CJ Stroud, but that's it. Like they just shut them down entirely. And that's not, you know, the Texans had their injuries in the offensive line. So they were definitely outmatched there. Still at Laramie Tunsil, who's a very good offensive tackle. Damien Pierce, good running back, who's usually able to kind of make people miss and drag people forward. And, you know, average time was 2.74 yards after contact per carry for the whole team. That's not a good number. And no. a lot of that, they were, Ravens were largely redefining that line of scrimmage too into the Texans' backfield. So contact was probably coming at a, at a, earlier point too in that uh on that scale i'd be interested do you guys have that do you have a you have a 2.74 after contact but do you have an average point of contact i think we do i think i need to dig around and find it but i'm sure there is like uh in fact we definitely mark where the first contact occurs so i'm sure it exists somewhere okay be really be really interested in hearing about that uh their their work against the run was terrific i thought the edge setting very good in this game. Um, they only had one play where really, and it was Stroud who got outside the pocket for a run. I think it was Stroud. No, it wasn't. It was Pierce on a seven-yard run. It was the one long run they had yeah. for seven yards. <laughs> um, Owe got tripped on the edge by Woods, the, uh, uh, the wide receiver. And it wasn't, I don't think it was anything they would ever flag because I don't think he overtly like stepped out to, 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 to put his foot down or even put his foot on top of a player, which is a common trick for linemen. But this, this, in this case, he, he kind of tripped over him uh, and stumbled, and that was enough to get pierced by the uh, on that left edge for seven. So uh, it was. It, it, I thought the the pressure on Stroud um, was terrific, and they didn't have to do too much to get to it. We'll get to that with the pass rush a little bit later. But I'm amazed Stroud didn't throw any picks with the sort of pressure he was under. Yeah, he um, he took a lot of hits, but didn't you know didn't make a lot of um, huge mistakes, and he didn't really have a lot of throws that you expected to be picked, um, which is, you know, to his credit that, uh, but I also think there was some, there were some openings underneath for him. So he was probably able to take advantage of that a little bit. Yeah. A lot of their offense built around quick release throws and whatnot, which was, it was, it was the way to go given what they knew their own weakness was. Um, they also did a lot of boots in this game. And I, I swear in watching this tape it, and watching the game itself, it looked like they must have done five or six boots. And I can only find three of them in my notes. If, do, do you have anything that, that will separately give uh, spread out, uh, separate out boot plays? Uh, I can look at, I can look it up. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say though, before coming on here, mm-hmm. I was looking, I was looking for that as well. And I was looking through some of the pass rushes and there were a, a few plays whereby Stroud bailed pretty quick mm-hmm. and like, and but where he bailed was like, straight out to the side so from the stands that could have easily looked like a designed boot because it was very much like back to pass quickly moving out there 
Yeah, I mean, I look for two things with a boot. The first is zone blocking in one direction, the play action that goes with that, and then a, and then a spin to the other side. So there, there were three of those specifically. And the key on those, of course, is the, the backside edge defender not be fooled on the play so he can get to the quarterback very quickly, um, force the quarterback into the quickest possible decision to unload that football. And usually that's not going to be deep down that sideline that he rolls towards for the longest possible play. So anyway, uh, the three plays there were, Urban, Oway, Oway, were the backside defenders on the three plays, and none they, they were never fooled uh, on uh, on the play and in the face of the quarterback very quickly. And the three plays went for, one of them was like sack minus 11, I thought. Oh, darn it. I don't have it in front of me anymore. But it was it, it, three plays very unsuccessful. It went for minus six total yards. It'll be a five-yard pass, incomplete, and a sack minus 11, if I have it right. Yeah, I think that just ties into, I think structurally they were very, very sound on defense in this game. Yeah. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the how the secondary was aligned in this game because I was expecting to see Rocky Yassin, and we did not, not until the very end of the game anyway, for about eight snaps. Uh, starters, uh, uh, Stevens and uh, Darby, certainly appeared to me from their play in the game, and uh, you know, a lot of their, their play was just keeping the ball in front of them particularly with the lead, I thought did very well. Yeah, I think it was it was kind of like a typical Brandon Stevens performance. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Ronald Darby for the Ravens, but Stevens just, one, likes to hit and is good at hitting. He had one big hit in this game. I can't remember when exactly it came, but he, he almost looks like a player who I would love to see I would love to see him deployed as like that close to the line of scrimmage guy because I think he can make a huge impact there. But I think as a cornerback, let him play with stuff in front of him. You know, I know they gave up just shy of 70 yards each, but some of that came late. And a lot of it was just, you know, kind of playing in front of them. So I thought they did. Yeah. thought they did solidly. Stevens did did some good inbounds tackling, particularly as the game was winding down. And the half was winding down, I believe. He might have had a, a, a couple tackles towards the end of the game and one at the end of the half where where he did a good job taking people that, That's when it was. I think it was right at the end of the first half where that big hit was, and it was a nice big hit to keep them keep them inbounds. I thought Darby looked really good, um, both against the pass and against the run, really uh, uh, getting underneath and and uh, uh, making some plays downhill. Uh he looked almost like an additional edge defender there on one particular play where he took a runner down for zero. I'm not even sure if that was a run or a pass because it might've been a shovel, but it was a, it was just a very short play. Yeah. Yeah. And just looking, I'm just having a quick look at our grades from the game and both, uh, both Darby and Stevens were above 70 in PFF grades against the run. So um, that kind of tracks for what you're seeing. All right. Uh, Washington over Mullet. Now, what, this has been probably the biggest revelation for us during this camp and preseason has been the play of Ardarius Washington. And while Rome is burning everywhere else in in the uh, in the cornerback room, uh, you know Washington really stepped up, had a terrific preseason. They had signed Mullet, and he didn't look bad at the beginning of camp, and then he wasn't there for a long time. He just did; he wasn't available to practice, didn't play in the preseason. I I don't believe he played at all in the preseason. No, he didn't. Didn't in any of the three games. So, uh, Ardarius Washington really took over that spot. He's won it cleanly. I think it would have been maybe a little unharbaugh like for him to give the job back to Mullet, even though he's a veteran. Um, but they had him at the podium recently, and it actually concerned me that he might get the job over Washington. After Washington's first game here, I don't think he's giving it back anytime soon. No, this was a, almost probably the 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 kind of um, 
mirror to the to the injury issue was the fact that he was able to just make such a big impact. And he, he did, he earned that job in preseason by playing really good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply football again similar to the stuff that we talked about with um stevens and darby there plays really good with the with the ball in front of him sound tackler in this game we had him giving up four ta- uh, four receptions but it only went for 26 yards so really nice game i thought good instincts uh and you know in a lot of ways he's not dissimilar to kyle hamilton in that he's not got the ideal posi- speed to play that nickel position you, you don't generally want a really a 462 guy uh there and he's very, very quick downhill and uh, uh, did that well. Rushed the passer very effectively. Had some nice help from Clowney on his sack, where in the preseason he'd actually missed a couple sacks, but still was in there. And usually retracking that quarterback, even if you get a missed tackle in your column, is typically a pretty darn good positive thing to do, uh, you know, whenever you do it. But uh, but he, anyway, very nice, clean, solid takedown of uh, of Stroud in this game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this is probably one of the bright spots for the Ravens defense this summer. I, certainly when the when we headed into to training camp, I thought, OK, they're going to have to force Humphrey back into the slot. And then he got hurt. And I was like, OK, well, what are you going to do now? Because, I, you know, if you stick Hamilton in the slot, you take away from his ability mm-hmm. to move around and do a lot of other things and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes you get a little bit lucky and they've got unlucky in a lot of ways the um, elevation of Ardarius Washington into a guy who looks like he's going to be a comfortable starter, you know, as a, a the slot cornerback, counting that as a starter these days um, in this defense this year. Yeah, really exciting, uh, exciting to have him play so well, that's for sure. Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about packages uh, for the Ravens in this game. I need to bring up my own article for this and make sure I have all the information here. Uh, but they really were very, very vanilla in terms of the packages used. They uh, used base defense, I want to say it was 15 times, and now I'm not looking at my thing, and I'm having a hard time getting to it here, so bear with me for just a second here. Yeah, they used the base defense 15 times, um, and nine runs for 28, six passes for 43, and that was actually their worst defense, allowed 4.7 yards per play. Uh, but it was in there for third and two, in there for fourth and one. Uh, definitely had leverage success, and that was a, a theme to what the Ravens did. I think yesterday is they they were able to stop the Texans on some mighty important fourth down plays and thirds as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought the Texans were really bold to go for them when they did, um, but the Ravens just entirely shut them down. So that was good. And yeah, like you said, they they didn't really have to do anything outside of vanilla. The game, the game never really threatened. I know it was relatively close at halftime, but it. it 
even at that point, it didn't feel like a close game. It always felt always felt like a game the Ravens were going to kind of comfortably have the Texans at arm's length. Yeah. That, by the way, from a game theory perspective or from a just a gambling theory perspective, I guess they may see more. The Texans are well served with a bad team trying to have the game come down to fewer large gambles. So it's a it's a good move for the Texans to go for it on fourth and one, maybe at their own 35 or 40 yard line. If it has a positive expectation, certainly. But even even if maybe it has a slight negative expectation, I still understand it because there's a huge swing in the two potential outcomes. And when you have a negative team, you want that to come down. It's like being a lousy poker player and going all in, uh, you know, <laughs> against a good player pre-snap. The last thing you want to do is get beat after the after the flop. And uh, sorry, pre-snap, pre-flop. I, I, the last thing you want to do is get beat after the flop at, at Hold'em. And believe me, as a bad poker player, I have, I have no <laughs> understanding of this. Yeah. All right, 47 standard nickels in this game. Uh, the bread and butter defense. Uh, and this is this is not the big nickel where they use Stone as a, a fifth defensive back. This is whether you had three corners on the field. And this was obviously where Ardarius Washington was in the game. Uh, 10 runs for 31, 37 pass plays for 142. 3.7 yards per play. Five, all five sacks came in the standard nickel with the with the one turnover. Yeah. The other thing I noticed from I think it was mainly nickel I noticed this was a couple of times just some uh like pre and post snap movement of defensive backs. So Marcus Williams lining up deep, Kyle Hamilton uh lining up close and then switching at the snap. I think they did it once with Hamilton and Washington as well, which was nice to see. Yeah, you, if you look at the defense as an umbrella, th- those guys move more than anybody. Sometimes at, with the Ravens, they also do it a little bit at inside linebacker with the simulated, pre- the false simulated pressure I'll, I'll look a lot where where Roquan will be up and he'll drop back and Queen will rush then or, or the other way around. But with with defensive backs, I think the Ravens have done a pretty good job of they, – they still want Marcus Williams at free safety whenever they can, obviously, but they've done a pretty good job of letting him play closer to the line of scrimmage on some plays – or to take another spot. So you don't, you're not just giving away his position as single high and you keep the quarterback guessing. Yeah. I, I, I guess my, my big piece of intrigue with Williams out now is how much are we going to see Hamilton be you know, back there deep? I think I had a, I had a look at it and it felt like most of the first half, or sorry, throughout the first half, most of Hamilton's snaps were closer to the line of scrimmage, allowing him to be that impact player there. Second half, it was a lot more, free safety looks but in saying that again second half a lot more vanilla things obviously with the game well in front of them so you know maybe there's a bit of bit of back and forth there yeah there may also be something with injury risk and not wanting to get hamilton up closer to the line of scrimmage and geno stone is a is a pretty darn good free safety i thought he his fill-in work last year for williams was one of the things that helped save the ravens season in terms of getting into the playoffs, obviously the, the season was lost when Lamar got hurt, but but you know he had he had to replace Williams earlier than that. Yeah, he was. I remember him uh, coming out of uh, college, out of Iowa. Iowa, yeah, yeah. And when the Ravens got him in sixth seventh. or seventh, yeah, seventh round, I was really excited because we we really liked him at PFF. Really good player in college. I, I I remember it well because you guys had him as in a second round grade on him, if I recall correctly. I, I liked him too, and I really looked at him because you guys had him ranked so high. I thought he was a split safety all the way, but I still thought those instincts on the back end are excellent. They'll play very well in a cover two league. 
And uh, and I was thrilled when they got him as a seventh round pick. I just I I was happy. In fact, a few picks before I said, I, you know, I I don't think I didn't like him at the original <laughs> second round grade, <laughs> but I would really love if Geno Smith if Geno Stone was the uh, was the pick for the Ravens here in round seven. Yeah. All right. Uh, the the big nickel they played seven plays, thirteen yards, and that was uh, Stone in as the third safety when Williams was still healthy in the game. Very effective with that. When the when the Texans put a second tight end on the field, they didn't get much going at all. Yeah, I I this is probably where I love Kyle Hamilton the most is being able to just put him over tight ends and have him cover. I, I think what he can do when he's close to the line of scrimmage as well. I. I don't want to get overly. I don't want to overly hype a player, but at any time I watch him play, I come away thinking that he can be the best safety in the NFL. Is mm-hmm. he's he's far rangier than his than his forty time suggests, just based on how he can get to things, long arms that he can you know get to balls that he shouldn't in in coverage, and I just love him as a matchup matchup weapon, and you know not getting ahead of ourselves because the injuries have probably had a serious impact here, but using him as that chess piece against a guy like Travis Kelsey from the Kansas city chiefs is something that I was quite excited about for this year. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he certainly did the job. And I mean, when asked to play a pure nickel role and that's what he played last year at the end of the year, I mean, for him to, for him to do that so well, it's just, it's a different set of positive characteristics that he has for the position. He's, you know, being huge is a, is an enormous advantage for being the underneath guy in zone coverages, having good instincts like it is you mentioned earlier is is that's why he plays so much faster than his forty time is his instincts get him going just a click earlier, which means he's you know all of a sudden he's he has tremendous you know coverage range around that field. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited about about Hamilton this year and 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 what he might become. Let's talk a little bit about the thirty-two dime because this is a this is I like generalized dime packages anyway. The Ravens are really a committed nickel team now. You become a committed nickel team when you have two inside linebackers to stay on the field all the time. But the Ravens had the the all, the way you can still get a dime on the field is to play thirty-two dime, which means you play three guys up front, uh, usually one down lineman and two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers behind them, and then a, a, a dime package on the in the secondary. Uh, it's extraordinary because the Ravens have hardly ever played this outside of the 2001 season when it was their regular dime package with Jamie Sharper and Ray Lewis on the field. But uh, they had a few snaps, I think, in 2021, maybe in the opener against the Raiders and maybe a couple more times that season. You might even have some information on that. Uh, yeah, I don't have it to hand, but it does. it does certainly ring a bell. All right. Anyway, two plays, seven yards, three and a half yards per play. That was right at the end of the half um, uh, where that happened. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the pass rush, and then we'll break it off, and we'll we'll do all the individual players in the second half of the show. Uh, as I have it, and, and you guys will have different me- measures for this or different ways to break this down, but we're interested in hearing that, of course. I have a, an ample time and space metrics, which is the number of times he did ha- or would have had three seconds to throw as being 11 of 48 dropbacks. Do you have anything that tries to get at a similar thing for that as when he had a, a clean pocket or a, whatever you guys might call it? Yeah, so um, the stuff I'm looking at just now is basically just a kind of standard under pressure. There's ways I can break it down a little bit further, but mm-hmm. we had him we had him under pressure, I think, on uh, 25 dropbacks, um, okay. 17 pass attempts, and 11 completions there. Okay. And, and is that a two and a half second pressure standpoint there? If he has more than that, is it still not under pressure? 
Uh, no, so it would count. That would include that would include late pressures as well, um, yeah. which would be some of them because there were, in particular, some mm-hmm. some late pressures, some late hits in this game. Not late okay. hits as in not late hits in the sense of should have been flagged. Late hits as in they happened, you know, a good few seconds into the play. Yeah, only one of those, right? So <laughs> poor Travis. Uh, Twenty twenty one plays I have as being under pressure. So that's a very close match. One of the things that came up, and they asked me this on the radio, is. Don't radium system rating system aren't they all subjective? And I, I tell people we're looking at the same place. It's it's like anybody watching these same plays is going to basically come to very similar conclusions about how to grade these things. You may have a slightly different definitional standard for doing it, and you may have slightly different weightings in terms of how you put these things together. But it really is. It's it, I mean, we're we're not looking at vastly different things and ha- having different opinions. A lot of this is just common sense. Yeah, it, it, anecdotally, just to go on a on a slight tangent here, I remember years ago being at the combine and we were in a meeting with an NFL team, um, and I was our head of special teams at the time, and we were having a conversation with uh, assistant special teams coach and a quality control person. The quality control person asked, you know, how what how do we know that we can trust these grades? And it was the assistant coach that cut him off, and he just said like, like I've I've gone through this enough times and checked enough of these i don't agree with every single grade they give i agree with 90 85 to 90 percent of them and i know that if they're getting 85 to 90 percent correct if i want to quickly know who the best player on the opposing special teams unit is who the worst player is that we could target i know that we probably agree just based on based on those things and i think that's a lot of the time where you know people think about things that the algorithms and the the definitions for things might differ Generally speaking, most, you know, even a lot of the film guys who, when you talk about plays with, with those guys over and over, it's usually just, you know, a couple of plays here and there that there's genuine yeah. major disagreement on. Yeah, completely agree. That's very, very well stated. I love your example, too. That's uh, that's a cool one. <laughs> it's very good that the more senior special teams coach too cut him off. And I was pretty process. surprised at the time. I was yeah. I was a lot younger, and when you know when that question got asked, I started getting quite nervous. And it was the it was the coach that cut him off to come to my rescue. Well, the NFL for I, I think in in part for expense purposes has ceded a lot of their um, information collection to PFF in terms of of what you guys collect for them in terms of uh, defensive positioning, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of stuff we do for teams through those kind of collection systems and just the the kind of storage systems as well. All right, outstanding. So we'll talk a little bit about the pass rush. Otherwise, I said eleven of forty eight, twenty three percent. He had ATS. I had the ball out quickly sixteen times. That's thirty three percent. Array of boots, screens, slants, swings, play action. It was a lot of lot of obviously intended to be ball out quick um, passes there. Uh, he did actually okay on those, uh, on, on the ones where the ball got out quickly. Now, remember, you're taking out all the sacks when you say this ball out quick. So there's a truncation of the results that's going on there. 8.1 yards per play, still very good. Um, a lot of those, a lot of times those tend to be so many short passes with some incompletes, you, you might end up with five or six yards uh, per ball out quick throw. But he, he did quite well on those. Yeah, I, I think it was... Um... You know, kind of did what you would what you would hope from him. Maybe a little bit better than you would expect from a rookie. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's a system whereby, it, you know, similar to a lot of what they did in San Francisco, they're going to be looking to get the ball into playmakers in open space and try and do it quickly and stuff like that. And that can that can help rookies definitely. All right. Uh, now, the, the, the interesting thing was the pressure plays because there were twenty one of those as I count them, and, and I'd love to hear the results in your twenty five because I think it's going to be similar. 
Ravens had all five of their sacks included in that. All of those had an early pressure in there. So we, they didn't have a late sack that was a, a result of a you know four or five second pocket or whatever where somebody got chased down. There was a pressure early in each of those plays. But zero net yards on those 21 plays. 50 passing yards and 50 sack yards. Just happened to work out exactly to zero. That's in the top, easily in the top three to five percent of games I've ever tracked for the Ravens in terms of uh, uh, pressure yielding a very poor yards per play result. Yeah, and I didn't look at numbers for that, but that definitely felt like what I saw watching it. Whereby it just it really hindered what the Texans were trying to do when they could put them under pressure. A uh, m- nice mix of numbers from McDonald: three plays uh, with three three rushers three times. Four rushers, 32 times, five, eight, six, five times. Not relying on numbers, certainly with that. You know, with, a, what is it, 13 out of 48 blitzes, that's 27%. That's not particularly high by Raven standards anyway. I I, I wouldn't know league-wide, honestly, if that's uh, particularly high or not. No, I, I don't know league-wide. I, I know, obviously, the Ravens league-wide are relatively high, but I don't mm-hmm. think that – it doesn't sound particularly high anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean – it wasn't any one particular thing McDonald felt like he needed to do. It's a little bit here that I think they might still be keeping some things under wraps for the next few weeks too. I, I suspect in particular next week, because that yeah. feels like it feels like Mike McDonald really relishes that opportunity to go against Joe Burrow based on some of those matchups. Mm-hmm. Certainly some things have worked out well there in the past. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? 11 individual blitzes. So I define, you may define it differently. Again, I, 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 it, the player has to be at least a yard and a half off the line of scrimmage and no closer than the slot cornerback. So if a slot cornerback cheats away inside early and gives away, he's coming on the blitz. He's no longer a blitzer. Okay. So then the, the offensive line or running back usually has a chance to react to that. But uh, in, in this case, the Ravens had 11 individual blitzes. That's 0.23 per pass play. They were spread across 10 plays because they had one double um, on those 10 plays. They got, Seven pressure events, which is terrific for starters if you if you're blitzing that often, and minus six total net net yards. So uh, just a a fabulous day for the blitz there, and that included both uh, the Queen and the Roquan sacks. Yeah, yeah, and so our definition we're not we're not taking into consideration the um, like a guy kind of cheating up and things like that. So we had it with. Uh, I looked at this earlier. So five off-ball linebackers in the NFL this week so far have blitzed nine or more times, and two of them played for the Ravens in terms of those definitions. So you you meant rush the quarterback nine or more rush times. Rush the quarterback, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. like our our definition of those. I just I love the way I love the way that Mike McDonald uses his linebackers to attack like that. P- Patrick Queen in particular, who you know I'm not going to rehash. Mm-hmm. You know, it, all the issues that I think he has, because I think he's improved dramatically as a player as well. But McDonald is just knows how to isolate him as a weapon as, a, as on the defensive side of the ball. How did Queen look in coverage to you in this game? Because I thought he did a pretty good job of being in the right place for most of the game. Yeah, I, my my only real issue with um, Patrick Queen in this game was I think a couple of missed tackles that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think he was solid in coverage. I think both of the missed tackles came in coverage um and you know that's just it's just the way he tackles like you know he's been in the league long enough now that i've kind of come to accept that and you know you have to you have to deal with those things but he did he had a nice play i don't know if he definitely got the pass break up or if he was just there for a linebacker to be in that position i think it's a really nice play regardless yeah he was credited with it and and he 
I, he had something to do with that ball being dropped. It looked like, but uh, but it was good. I uh, rolled right over the guy as it was uh, as it was happening. Where it didn't work for the Ravens in this game is stunting. They stunted eight times. Uh, Stroud completed all eight of those passes for eighty three net yards, ten point four yards per play. So it, they were really just doing him a favor. What it looks like to me, particularly when the Ravens stun a lot, I know Clayus Campbell has talked about this before, is they call a fair number of the stunts just on field, that the players are empowered to, to stunt as they like. They had one double twist where both outside guys were going inside and almost looked like one of those was probably called because it just they weren't quite running into each other, but they weren't also making the best use of space on that play. Yeah, there was one. There was even one, I think, where I think it resulted in a pressure or a hit but it was based on the recovery afterwards where Oway and someone just kind of like both were trying to go the same way and, and all those things. So it just felt like a couple of miscommunications in that sense. All right. Uh, simulated pressure only twice. Really surprised by that because simulated pressure is something that's traditionally used against rookie quarterbacks, against offensive lines who have continuity issues. And you had the Double biorhythm of those two in this game. For uh, by the way, anybody anybody too old to remember what biorhythms were? People in the 1970s on the school bus and whatnot had these little biorhythm <laughs> things they would carry around. Uh, utter silliness at the time, <laughs> but anyway, uh, simulated pressure not used particularly often by the Ravens in this game, which is a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe what you touched on earlier. Maybe felt they didn't really need to in this game. Maybe felt they could keep some of that for later in the year. All right. Uh, when we talk about pressure, I think I want to talk about Jadavian Clowney here. I know we can talk about a lot of the players, but Clowney had a terrific day of rushing the passer here. And I, this is, I, there's going to be some Clowney detractors who will again point to the fact he didn't have any sacks. Clowney had a pressure which led to a quarterback hit by Oway. He had a quarterback hit of his own. He had a pressure which phone boothed the pocket so that Ajabo could get the sack fumble. He had a pressure which caused Stroud to step up right into Ardarius Washington's arms for another sack, and he had another just solo pressure of his own. I, I had him for five pressures in the game. Not sure how you guys had him. Really. Yeah, I think I think we had him for six, and I think I think three of those were unblocked um, when I looked at it, and I think that's it, that that is as well. Like more than a lot of places in the NFL, the Ravens scheme up a lot of pressure. You know, they don't have that true alpha edge guy but they are able to scheme these things up so it's why you see a lot of unblocked pressures from their players all right we're going to come back and talk to gordon in part two of this show please download that when you get a chance but but before we do gordon tell folks where they can find your work online yeah you'll find anything i write on pff.com and you'll find me on twitter or x depending on what we're calling it these days uh, at pff underscore gordon all right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, there's still time for about one per week during the season. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. That's how I meet new people and really enjoy this uh, this process. Gordon, thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.